Hello and welcome to Beer and Money, a financial fireside chat for tech professionals. We work to simplify your finances so that you can enjoy your life. Now here are your hosts, Ryan Burkwell and Alex Collins. Welcome back to Beer and Money. I am your host, Ryan Burklow. With me as always, Alexander Collins. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Oh, just swell. So in our last podcast, we were talking about um, whether or not you should overpay your mortgage. And while we didn't answer that question for everyone specifically, because we don't know everyone's situation, we brought up something in that around cash flow, cash flow efficiency, not making siloed decisions. And we wanted to go a little bit deeper into that that topic. Yeah, it went, and it, it stems really from the the conversation conversations that we've had with clients where we just look at things different than the average person when they're when they're trying to make these decisions. And a lot of it comes from the way in which financial services is typically done. Uh, and that's taking a look at it from a rate of return standpoint, asking the question, what is this cost? And, and it's it's a normal mindset. And at the same time, it also doesn't really have bearing on the way in which we do planning. You know, from a standpoint of we don't care about any individual component. What we care about is really how do all of these things come together f- as one seamless plan for you? What are the dollars in? What are the net dollars out? And what do they provide you later on? Yeah. I mean, to, to a certain extent, the cost inside of that or cash flow inside of that, it doesn't matter where it's going. It, what matters is the net, the net input and the net output. So let's, let's dive into like a real world example. I think that's always the easiest way to really get across our point. And so when we're talking to someone that works for a tech company, uh, there are uh, typically a conversation that occurs of, I'm saving X amount of dollars. Where should I put it? And what rate of return are you going to give me? Right? Like that's really the end result of rate of return. And what will that eventually get me as a nest egg? Right. Or that's one component. Another thing that we oftentimes hear is, well, I'm putting X number of dollars into my 401k or employee stock purchase plan or something of that nature. So let's analyze the, let's take out the 401k for now. Let's, let's look at it from a investment only outside of a retirement account. I I'm saving an extra $20,000. Where should I put it? Ryan and Alex, the traditional way of looking at that is let's take the $20,000. Let's look at investments and allocation fees inside of the allocation. And what type of rate of return can we get you in the end? Well, we're going to look at it slightly different. What are we doing with all of our money? And what are the results of everything? So let's just take this step by step. The income comes in the door, right? You're paying some sort of money, possibly, to uh, employ benefits for maybe life insurance. You also may have some personal life insurance outside of the company as well, which oftentimes we see. Then we're saving money. 
we're saving money into, in this case, we're looking at saving the $20,000 into an investment account. Sure. Okay. Then we're also paying taxes on the income that's coming in the door, as well as taxes on the investment right. growth. The, the growth of the investment as it, as it bumps along. And one of the things that, that oftentimes winds up happening is financial planning software will net the taxes out of the investment account. Well, I've yet to meet a single client that will actually net the dollars, like go go through and calculate, oh, hey, I made you know $10,000 and I owe $1,500 of taxes on that. And like give us a call and say, hey, Ryan, send me $1,500 to pay my tax bill. Right, no, they take it out of their cash flow or their refund that they would have received. Yeah, exactly. So, so back to the the cash flow aspect. So we always do these cash flow designs in front of our clients, showing them really what their money's doing. And so we'll show them here's your term insurance. Here's the cash flow that's going to happen that you're paying for this as well as for the 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 premium that you're paying for your life insurance at work. And I'm going to make up numbers here. Let's just say it's $1,000 a year. 2,000 sure. whatever the number is. It's $1,000 a year. You also have an asset right now that's worth 50 grand and you're putting towards that 50 grand. It's inside of an investment account that's outside of a retirement account. You're putting the $20,000 a year towards that account. So $20,000 goes up to that. So now from cash flow, we've got $20,000 plus the $1,000. So it's $21,000 of cash flow. And then to your point, we're gonna pay the taxes on the growth of our asset. And if the taxes that year were 1500 or whatever the number is, 2000, let's make up a number. Let's just say it's $3,000. Sure. $3,000 goes to taxes. So now we've got 20,000 for the uh, cash flow going to say the investment account, a thousand going to insurance, and then another $3,000 we're paying on taxes. That's $24,000 of cash flow to do this particular strategy. Whether you actually see those dollars going out or not. Correct. And most of the time, they're not taking that into account. Like they're not actually looking at, oh, I paid $3,000 in taxes in this scenario. Really what they said is, crap, I have to pay $3,000 extra in taxes more than I did last year. Well, and or what, even if they even notice that, frankly. Right. More often than not, it's you know something where, especially early on, they got a little bit less of a refund. And so it still found money to them because they weren't expecting the refund or they weren't sure exactly how much to expect. And so the, the difference is, especially early on, when we're not seeing large numbers and growth and things of that nature that occur inside of investment accounts, once it compounds, it, it it's a minor difference. And so it's hard to notice that minor incremental difference year to year because so many things are changing and could affect what that tax number was. So just this conversation we're having right now is a conversation that never occurs for a lot of people in their lifetime around money because the only conversation they thought about having going back to the original point of siloed decisions is my $50,000 and the 20 grand I'm putting into that account, what rate of return are you gonna get me or what rate of return am I gonna get myself? Right. I hope I get 6%, 7%, whatever the number is, right? That's what they're trying to go after. How many of those pieces did we bring up didn't even go into that equation? 
Right. Five, six, like that we just mentioned. So this is what we're talking about, cash flow efficiency. So what Alex and I will go in and look at is, okay, you've got $50,000 sitting in the asset. Should it stay in that same type of vehicle? Should we move it somewhere else? Should we maybe take pieces of it and drip it into a different type of asset, right? Because what we don't like about that, which often people start to point out right away, which they haven't really considered early on was, crap, I haven't considered the taxability of that asset. Right. So right away, as we point this out, most of our clients are like, holy crap, never thought of that. And it's 100% right. Yeah. So how do we how do we solve for that? So that's one. And there's there's no one definitive answer because so much of it depends on it, the amount of income that the client makes, how big of a taxable gain there is in the account, what else that they've got going on that is an expense as opposed to building an asset. Um, just so the, the listening audience out there understands, uh, an expense has a negative 100% rate of return. Yeah. It, your auto insurance policy. If you don't get in a car accident, you, you just gave the money to the insurance company and you're never getting that money back. It's 100% lost money. Even if you do get in an accident, the only thing that the auto insurance is doing is making you whole. You know, for example, you go out and buy a $100,000 Tesla. Right. They're not going to give you, they're not going to go buy you a brand new Ferrari. Well, right. <laughs> You're not getting a better car. You're right. getting the exact same car that you had back. And so some people will think about like, okay, I paid one auto insurance premium of a hundred bucks and I replaced a hundred thousand dollar Tesla. Well, you just got what you had right back before the, before you, your brand new Tesla got stolen or wrecked or whatever else you had a hundred thousand dollar asset. You paid a hundred bucks and it protected that asset because when it went away, the insurance company replaced that hundred thousand dollar asset, the Tesla. Right. And, Quick disclaimer here. We're not saying stop paying for auto insurance. No, but, but <laughs> the, the protection is there's a value to it, but you're not getting a rate of return. It's still a hundred percent cost and therefore a negative 100% rate of return. And it's still valuable to have. Absolutely. Because not having it and something occurs can be, I mean, it will blow up your entire financial picture possibly if you get sued, yada, 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 like not pretty. There are so many other things that we're spending money on that is exact that exact tape type of thing. And it's, I'm not saying to stop spending money on that, but you do need to analyze what is the true cost. Like when you're not getting it back, it's a cost, right? Uh, another example is a term life insurance. A term life insurance policy, what this policy is, is it, it lasts for a specific period of time. So if you bought a 10-year term policy, at the end of 10 years, it expires. If you want to, if you want life insurance for that same amount, you'd have to reapply. Uh, and it's, you're older. It's almost certainly going to cost more. There's, you, you have to go requalify. Your right. health might not be the same. There's, there's a host of issues there. And if you die, okay, then your, your family or beneficiary gets the money. And if you don't die in that 10 year period, that was a pure cost, just like your auto insurance policy. Even if you did die, it's still a pure cost because the insurance company is just replacing the income that you would have earned 
had you not passed away. Correct. The caveat to that is permanent life insurance and permanent life insurance has the same type of benefit, the death benefit. It also grows cash value as an asset. And there's some tax efficiencies inside of that. We're not going to get into the weeds of this, but that there's that style policy out there. And the reason I bring this up is it's not so much of a pure cost. Like a lot of people will analyze it from a standpoint of, oh, I can spend a thousand dollars on that term insurance policy, or I can go spend $5,000 on a a permanent life insurance policy. And they're like, well, the $5,000 is more expensive. I'll do the thousand. The $5,000 is more cash flow. It's not necessarily more expensive because you get to recoup some, if not all of that $5,000 down the road. Correct. And this isn't a, a pitch to do permanent life insurance. This is again, another example of looking at what's best for you and what is the cash flow efficiency there. So term insurance isn't a bad product. Permanent life insurance isn't a bad product. They both have pros and cons. How do you work it into your financial picture from a cash flow perspective, not only a cost perspective? Well, there are very few, if any, bad products out there. There might be bad versions of a product, but the, the products themselves, they're not good or bad. They're tools. It's all about how you use it and if it's used properly and to accomplish what you're trying to do, great. It's phenomenal. You know, a perfect example of this is a, a checking account. Checking account is a tool. It's an awesome and amazing and flexible tool. And if that's where 100% of your retirement savings goes as a 35-year-old, it's probably the wrong tool because it's going to take a ridiculous amount of cash flow to be able to save enough to retire using that particular structure and vehicle. You're bringing up inefficiency, right? That is less efficient than other products out there. And we're not stating that, right? There's so much of this that we're stating, like there is no one size fits all, right? Most 35-year-olds are not going to saving every single penny into a checking account or underneath their mattress. Right. Right. They're looking to possibly invest money and hopefully get some sort of return on their money. But in the end, the, the point, the entire point of this conversation is don't just look at that one investment. Don't just look at that one product cost. Look at the entire picture from a macro view or holistic view rather than a micro siloed in a vacuum view. Yeah. Look at the net dollars that go into the strategy. Look at the net dollars that come back out of that strategy and evaluate it from that standpoint. You know, really what where Ryan and I specialize in is being able to pull together multiple different structures, multiple different vehicles, multiple different strategies and tactics to have an ultra efficient plan where we get to the goal that you want with the least amount of input, the most amount of protection, the least amount of volatility to be able to structure things. Now, all of those there's give and take on. So you know, typically, if we have more volatility, we're gonna expect more rate of return. Now there's examples where we can actually take some of the risk off the table and still increase the net cash flow or the net output. 
that's not always the case. And the way we do that is looking at the entire picture, that, which is the entire yeah. point of this conversation. So we hope this podcast was valuable for you. We do want you to interact with us. So please go to our website and you can go to beerandmoney.net and you can interact with us there and ask us a question and we uh, may talk about it on the podcast or we can email you back around that particular topic. And other than that, we hope you have a good rest of your day. Cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that only individual situations can be real. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and the firm are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or Quantified Financial Partners, and opinions stated are their own. Guardian and subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Guardian does not issue nor advise for auto insurance. Ryan and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ 3585 Maple Street, number 140, Ventura, California, 9093991100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, number FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Number 2019-86836, expiration 09-2021.